And welcome to another episode of Winner Winner, a PUBG podcast where we bring you reviews on the latest content, go in deep with our opinions on sweeping changes, and provide strategies we think might help take your play to the next level. We're now in season three of the show, but tonight we're recording with no cameras. We will have the show up on YouTube following the typical release. But before we dive in, if you like the show and want to support the work that goes into it, there's several ways that you can do so, and most of them don't cost a penny. So first of all, tell your friends, share the show, let everybody know that this is out there. Word of mouth goes a very long way. You can also subscribe to the show to never miss an episode. We have an RSS feed. We also have the YouTube channel. And while you're there, uh, leave us a review if you can, whether it's stars, thumbs up, a comment, an actual live real review on iTunes goes a very long way. And we think Spotify will probably have a section for that soon, but they don't yet. But now that we're on YouTube in a much more meaningful way, feel free to hit the subscribe button there and make sure you turn on notifications by ringing the bell. Finally, if you want to support directly, aka financially, thank you to those of you that are already doing that. There is always a link to our Patreon in the description. Thank you so much for lending your ears while we plug these support options. Now we're getting back into some PUBG. Speaking of getting back into PUBG, you know, I, I tend to take my breaks, come back and, you know, come back fresh. Uh, so obviously I was playing a little more PUBG, I was having some fun, and then, you know, the wipe hit for Tarkov, and I, I really dove into it, spent a few weeks there, as did you, got into level 30-ish, you went a little further because you're grinding. How have you, how have you been? Have you been playing a little more 50-50 these days? What, what's going on with you and PUBG right now? <laughs> That's a great question. I, um, I actually have been probably more torn in the gaming world than I've been in a long time. I mean... I did play Tarkov heavy in the wipe, but when I heard that Sandhawk was getting released and playing a bunch of ranked in the last season, I got really hyped for this season. So there was a point when I thought both patches were going to hit at the same time, and I was actually terrified <laughs> for my gaming time, but they ended up being spread out a little bit. So that was awesome. But uh, yeah, I've been playing a little bit of both. I've been playing uh, primarily PUBG on stream honestly, and been having a blast. I have yet to play in ranked mode in season eight just because of uh, some personal life stuff and the stream schedule, but have jumped heavy into duos and been having a blast uh, on the new map. Same. I, I think the new map is really fun. And, and you know, if you're wondering what we're going to talk about tonight, it's going to be primarily about the revamped Sandhawk. I mean, it really is a lot of fun. It's very different. It's a huge breath of fresh air. Like I said, I, I I dove into the new wipe and it was great. But I already hit like you know once I hit like level thirty, I started to feel pretty comfortable in Tarkov. So I was like, let's let's dive back in and have a little more fun here. And it's been a, it's been a blast getting back into it. Now that like Tarkov is the game that I take like super seriously and and really care about my survival rating in and stuff, I just find myself having more fun goofing off a little bit, getting back to that old school 
just having fun with friends playing video games that I used to do with PUBG. And I feel like it kind of gets lost a little bit along the way sometimes. And I think for me, it was just trying really hard to get up to the level of everyone else on PC when I made the switch from Xbox that like I stopped having so much fun on PUBG unless I was having a really good game. Like win, winning was fun. The rest of it sucked. And, and now I can kind of shake off the losses a little better. So I've been having a blast. So when you've played Tarkov, like, and we've both played it, right? It's definitely more like you have to survive to accomplish anything, which isn't necessarily the case in PUBG. Like, obviously, you want to win a chicken dinner, but only one person or one squad wins, whereas multiple people in Tarkov can win if everyone survives. It's just a different format, right? But when you came back from playing that, did you find that you were a little more focused on staying alive? And how did that affect your PUBG gameplay? I do not care about my life in PUBG anymore, actually. Um, I will say it, it, it helps when you actually do need to kind of make some choices between do I have this fight near the blue or make my make my rotation? I think it's a little easier to be like, you know, let, let's focus on getting in and then we can turn around and punish these guys for taking too long. But by and large, because so much stock was put into my life and, and living in Tarkov that when I switch over to a game where I just have to start the game over, <laughs> no big deal, nothing really lost. You know, I just have to go find another SLR again. Uh, I, I found it to be kind of liberating to come back and worry about that. But I think there is a patience while I don't have patience to like, you know, care enough about winning every game or anything like that, you do get the kind of patience that comes from Tarkov where you'll hold that angle a little longer or, or you'll know when to get quiet, when to, when to kind of pop out. I think that idea of making every shot really count and not, otherwise not bothering, that has carried over, if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. What about you? What do you what do you find with that? I, I find myself being willing to play a lot slower than I used to in PUBG. Like I literally would get made fun of like constantly for just W keying to fight. And I still do that a lot in PUBG, but I find myself much more strategically aware. And I think it's a combination of playing a true like survival game and playing in ranked. I am much more conscious about where I am on the map, what's going on, what phase it is, where I'm going, what I need to do. And I found myself, to your point, not taking as many shots if I can wait and find a strategic advantage by not shooting or, you know, maybe we're in squads and I see one guy, I used to kill that one guy no matter what. Like if I see a guy I was shooting, whereas now I'll have a little trigger discipline and try to wait. So I've, I've found my gameplay actually advancing by, you know, learning some new skills from another game, which I find really interesting because they transfer, some skills transfer really well, um, some don't transfer well at all. Like, bushes don't make noise for example mm, <laughs> so yeah. i've been avoiding bushes unnecessarily yeah, no no cheese grater bushes in, in right. pubg thank the lord um <laughs> you, you know it is funny there are just certain things right like you mentioned the trigger discipline and i would say that that was a big thing in, in tarkov that i've been learning but i think i've been learning that more from watching all these clips of uh valorant trigger discipline where you you find a nice deep little corner not everyone tends to look. Maybe your top tier players do, but not when I'm playing Spike Rush in that game, which is like their arcade mode. And and being able to wait and you see one guy and, and you want to shoot that one player, but you're like, their team's going to be coming. And so you let the first guy go, the second guy, the third guy, and then you're like, all right, now you unload and you kill all three with a headshot real quick. And to your point with ranked and, and the way that it makes you think a little bit differently about how you engage uh, it is pretty fun to, instead of picking off that one guy, wait for the team to start their whole rotation. And once they get into that field, now all bets are off. Now they're dead. I think it's it's definitely 
a matter of choosing your engagements, whether it's PUBG, Tarkov, or Valorant, any shooter, you got to really think about when do I engage? Just because you saw them doesn't mean they've seen you and doesn't mean that you need to do anything either way. So before we dive into the rest, I mean, we've, we've kind of, you know, we've been having fun. Uh, in some, certain ways, we're taking PUBG less seriously. And in other ways, we've learned some serious tactics from, from our other games we've been playing that have helped bring, uh, bring that in. Another thing I would mention is just my overall focus on headshots between Tarkov and uh, Valorant has like really translated to me wanting to, to hit my headshots on sprays. I mean, obviously with like a DMR or a bolt, you're always looking for the head, but I think sometimes it's easy to go center mass with, a, with an M4. And having the wherewithal to just go for the head because the other games punish so much for not doing so has been really interesting. Yeah, I find that my, you know, my FPS journey, as it were, you know, when I really dove into it 20 years ago, I started with Counter-Strike. So hearing you talk about Valorant and the trigger discipline you learn when you're playing it like, you know, site A, site B kind of game. You know, again, if you shoot the first guy that runs in and your team is down or you're the only one defending that area you can actually put your team at a big disadvantage because you give away all the intel and you let the other team rotate. But if you can have some discipline and they don't see you, you can make some crazy plays. So like that's like ingrained in my FPS knowledge from playing Counter-Strike for so many years. So it's really cool to hear that you're learning that same thing in Valorant. And it's cool to hear how that's transferring because again, like I'm, I've always been like an upper chest headshot, you know, kind of aimer, but I know how hard it is to move from like, and again, I didn't play a ton of Call of Duty until recently. And a lot of people that play Call of Duty are like, man, I aim for the stomach <laughs> like all the time. Come That's on, all I care about. From, if you come from a lot of console games, and sorry to cut you off there, but if you come from a lot of, if you come from a lot of console games, you're, you're aiming and you, there's, there, I'm not saying you're not aiming, but like there's a point where you got close enough and, and you got the stickiness that you needed. And that stickiness wasn't concerned about headshots. If it was, it'd be kind of broken. The stickiness is, is just generally on the player and it's just generally body mass, you know, center mass. And so for years, you get by by just seeing them first and shooting them first uh, in any of these games, especially, you know, I used to play a lot of hardcore in old CODs. So it's like basically one shot, one kill doesn't matter where. It's just how fast can you see them, place your crosshair over them and pull the trigger. That's it. So there is no such thing as trigger discipline. It's just how much can I pop off by just getting one, two, three in a row before they can all turn on me or something. Um, so yeah, there wasn't a lot of that. I'm sure if you played some Search and Destroy, but most of my friends were not patient enough to play those, so we just played like Domination and TDM, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is, it is interesting to just learn these slower, more tactical games and then bring it to something that has made PUBG feel almost more arcade-like than I would have ever given it credit for when I came from like truly arcade kind of games of, you know, your PUBGs, your uh, Titanfalls and, and those kind of console games um, that are amazing games. Uh, but when you play them on console, you just get a different different set of tendencies. So moving on from just uh, general, you know, what we're bringing to the game now that we weren't before and stuff, I saw something pretty funny. There was a crazy clip of TSM Pro uh, Michael. It should still be on the um, on the subreddit for a little while, but by the time this releases, we'll have just a link in there so you can see this clip. A Murado comes flying by over a hill, and he just pulls out his SLR. With six bullets, he kills three players. Just bang, 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 bang. They're all dead. And, you know, there's no way that at least one of those people didn't go, I'm reporting this guy, if they didn't know that that was a pro, right? If they don't have some sort of clout behind their name. But I did think it'd be funny if you just know you got outplayed and someone was just amazing. You could use the report function to just give someone a compliment. Dude, I love that. 
<laughs> like you get a message on your screen when it happens and it's just you've been complimented and it's instead of banned, you know? <laughs> I so that's so funny because I saw that clip too. I didn't know you were going to bring that up, but that clip was absolutely insane because it wasn't that he just took like five shots and killed three people. It was that he came over the ridge as the Murado was coming up. So it's not like he was watching the Murado come in from the distance. It was like a split second, like, oh, Murado over the ridge instantly aims over there and then perfectly leads like five shots, kills three people. It was insane. Like props to Michael. That was nuts. I mean, it was a testament to being a full-time job, <laughs> you know, for a couple right, years. Right, right. But how sick would that be if, you know, somebody watches the death cam and they're like, oh my gosh, that was an awesome shot. And then you just get like a little notification like so-and-so uh, said GG or like maybe there's a couple options, right? Like nice shot, GG, you know, kind of like the Hearthstone message where you can't say something negative, but you can say something positive with, with your emotes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. That would be awesome. And what a cool like use of that function. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, even if there was some sort of like semi-toxic, like, oh, you're super sneaky, dude. Like, that's the message, like, oh, master sneak or something. Like, it's like the message that comes over to you. But like, all right, they're not, they're not saying you're cheating, but like, they got, you got me. All right, cool. And that's it. And there's, there's no way to put a personal message in there to make it bad because obviously people have a tendency to be toxic. But, you know, uh, just a little something to be funny. You know, you've been complimented. A little heart flutter that will come in when you think you've been banned for no reason. And then it's like, nah, someone just thought you're pretty sick. And do you think that it would be good to allow the pop up at any time? So, like, even if, like, you're still going in the game, do you think it could be, like, a non-intrusive enough pop-up? Because that, that would actually be really cool. I think about it from, like, a like a streaming standpoint or content creation. I think it would be really cool to be, you know, continuing that game and someone said GG or whatever, nice shot. I think adding some positive things for player-to-player -player interaction is probably good when we're really just trying to kill each other when we're out on the battleground. <laughs> in my mind, it'd be, like, after you get back to the menu... Like, as you're going back, before, like, even if it was like a, say it was a ranked game, before you even learn if you, like, lost rank or gained rank after a game, you would get that message and be scared to death for a second, only to find out that it was, like, kind of funny. <laughs> and maybe it's, like, a week-long thing, right? Like, maybe it's just, like, a test. Right. And it's not, like, forever. So, like, if you really hate the feature, or you can turn off the feature so you don't ever get them and see them, or, or you can, like, you could see a log of them, but they wouldn't, like, pop up and scare you anymore or something. There's, there could probably be plenty of ways to implement it. Something that could come up, you know, where you just see like a little thing pop up that is really small. Great job. Comes up from the player that you killed, you know, moments before. Could be funny, but I, I, I kind of think it'd be hilarious to just see the band screen, but you've just been complimented instead. I think that would be great. I mean, I love the idea. I think that like the meme side of it of like the band screen and all that is really cool. But I don't know. I think you're onto something there. I think that would be a great. Again, like, how many times have you been killed and then you watch the death cam and you go, no way, dude, that was sick. And then you have no way to communicate with that person. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, there's no nothing. I don't know. That would be awesome. Yeah, just a nice way to, you know, some sort of a prop system, you know, like props to you, dude. That was that was an incredible fight. Uh, long drawn out battle hard. Like, there could be like a battle hard and there could be like a stealth one. You could have your general GG. And maybe like one other, you know, standard kind of thing that someone could pick. But people are so quick to go to that band menu. Why don't we give them a second to be like, do I need to report this guy for cheating or report him for being really good? Like that guy's just got a good gaming chair. <laughs> Legit. It could just be fun. And and to have a list at the end of the year, like or end of like a season and be like, man, I got reported for being awesome 20 times this season, you know?
Well, and what if you went into your replays and in the replay timeline, there's just like a little heart or something that said like, you got a GG right here. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Like the timeline you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you could see like one minute later, this person just gave you a thumbs up, you know, something. Right. I, I can see that. Yeah. And like those symbols actually could work really well. You could have like your standard thumbs up. You could have like a finger over mouth for like sneak, you know, pound symbol. You know, like a guy giving you the pound. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're getting too far into this. Well, I'll leave this up to Brian and his team <laughs> to figure out how to fully implement it. I I want them you to just troll people. Code this really quick. But just go ahead and just <laughs> slap this thing together. It should get it done by tomorrow, right? Yeah. Right. Anyway, we spent enough time catching up. I hope you guys are doing all right tonight. Let's get into Sandhawk here. Yeah, yeah. I think the best news with the Sandhawk update is is Paradise was left untouched enough to remain Paradise. Yes. Right. All right. Um, That's my home, man. I was so nervous because when they initially put the notes out, there was no mention of paradise, right? Like every other major section of the map was mentioned in the like test server notes. And I was like, oh my gosh, they got rid of it. Like they did to my beloved Mount Kresnik on Vikendi. I thought that was going to get Kresnik in paradise. I'm still mad about it. I just was... (laughs) No, dude, I miss Kresnik. Just the town itself. It doesn't need to be up on a mountain, which I did like, but I just miss the, I miss that as like a drop location. It was such a cool hot drop for me, but um, I just thought Paradise was going to be the same. Better than the Abbey. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Abbey, man. Never was. Like, I know we're going full tangent, but it's like not being able to jump out the window makes me never want to go there because the main building, you have like two ways to get in and out and if you get stuck in there you can literally get blocked in which is just not fun so anyway paradise was was pretty much untouched you can still do almost everything you could before i i really don't notice notice any difference today so i i am happy i want to think trigger that it's because we had our love letter to paradise in one of our previous episodes where we really talked about call outs and everything I think that is why it was, by and large, not changed. If there are changes, I'll leave it to our resident expert in Trigger here to to let me know. I was going to say, I'll I'll take credit for Paradise not getting changed, I guess. (laughs) But you know what? They did change a couple things about it, and I really like the changes. And it's a couple things. There were some spots in Paradise that really didn't get used because they weren't really good for attacking or defending. And so the twins or the sisters, the two twin buildings on the south side were, they had this room that was, it had like the cross stitched wood pattern and then a bed and it was really awkward and they got rid of that. They opened the wall up. There's no bed there anymore. So you can vault in and out of it. It's no longer like a dead zone that you can't shoot through, which I think is really good. And then the other thing they did is they lowered all of the cliff faces on the corners of Paradise, so specifically the northwest corner, there was this massive cliff there that had a huge positional advantage over people that were still down in the courtyard. And now that hill is much smaller, and it used to be just one little spot that you could get up coming out of Paradise. Now there's about three different ways to get up there. So they reduced some of those crazy positional advantages, and then they also changed the cover. So you used to be get up on what is called planters, which is the kind of stair-stepped garden right by twins. Mm-hmm. And there used to be these thick bushes there that you could almost hide in. And they've thinned that out and made it not so hard to spot people there, which I think is really good. So that's pretty much all of the changes that are 
really gameplay affecting. And the only other minor one I can think of is in the main building or the cross building, the bar area underneath the overlook Mm -hmm. uh, is lowered. So you can't crouch and be hidden there anymore. It's lowered so that if you're crouched, you're still able to be shot at and spotted. But that's it, man. Everything else in Paradise, the layout, the buildings, where the loot is, it's it's all the same. Still got the elephant in the middle. And, uh, you know, landlords are back, man. Taking checks all day. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, and the rest of the team over there. Uh, We appreciate you for for just leaving that one untouched. Yes. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your opinions of some of these places, a lot of the locales were changed, some of them pretty drastically. Uh, So here's our little, like, rest in peace to Bon docks mong nai ruins and boot camp now they're, they're not they're not erased not all of them but bond was actually erased and and i don't i don't know if anyone's super worried about bond being erased docks was replaced by the getaway party zone which i am convinced is really just a strip club and mong nai was erased and replaced by the airfield which allows us to you know take take to the skies and, and kind of rain death from above i think we can can we panzer people now from planes because of this? <laughs> yes, yes, uh, the, the consequences of all these little <laughs> small things comes in the view. Yeah, I want to panzer some up from this guy. That sounds great. I know, I know, Grizz already did so, but uh, I want to, I want to do it for myself. Yeah, I think um, interestingly, right, a lot of them got changed, completely changed, and then some of them are just uh, reworked. But you mentioned Bon and how it, <laughs> no one probably misses it, and. You know, it's funny, like the nostalgia of Bond is definitely real because if you're out there and you haven't died in Bond because you like fell off of that, (laughs) the second story of it, I guess you would call it, or you just got caught in that death bowl. Like, I think everybody has horror stories there. I don't think I had a game where I was like, man, if I didn't have the cover of Bond, I wouldn't have won that game. Like, (laughs) I just don't think that's happened. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever won a game because of Bond, but they've definitely lost a game because of Bond. Yeah, so I, I think adding the playable area to Bond was really good, and it flattened out a bit, so it's no longer just this giant death bowl. So I, I don't know that anyone's going to miss Bond, but it, it was kind of neat in the sense that if it was there in the later circles, you used to be able to run through Bond, and it was usually like not picked over. Mm-hmm. You know, So you could probably pick up a med or two, or a fresh vest, fresh helmet, because you could usually find stuff, because... Even if the bottom was looted, the top was rarely looted. So if you knew how to do it, it was good. So again, I don't think it was necessarily fun because it was confusing. It was hard to stay on. Um, I think it's a really good change overall. Yeah, I mean, it was a jungle gym death pit. I'm okay with it being gone. It's been replaced by some pretty standard you know, set of housing, but I think it serves the map better and it serves that area of the map better. All right, so yeah, Bond's gone. I'm not going to really cry over it. Mong Nai is gone. Another one that I never really went there. Did you ever go there, Mike? The rice paddies up in the north northeast? Yes, I um, I did go to Mong Nai, and this is a shout-out to Mr. Von Droid. Von's favorite spot was Mong Nai, so any time that I play with Von... I knew there was a reason I didn't like Mong Nai. <laughs> I know, man. I'm just kidding. And he, Von and I uh, like to argue He would food. always go there. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he always liked Mong Nai. And, and so I, I went there and it's funny, you would think that Mong Nai would not be a contested spot, but there was almost always a team there. And I primarily play squads with Vaughn on Sunday nights. And whenever we go Mong Nai, there's almost always a fight there. And the problem with it was you typically would like split up 
and take different areas of it because there wasn't enough clustered houses or enough loot in the the rice paddies or whatever. You'd always be split up and then there'd be these awkward fights and you'd like never get out of there with your whole team. So no, I really don't miss Mongni, but I did play there a fair amount. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I never went there, but I never went there like super willingly or or if anything, it was just to change up some monotony. Anyway, so Mongni was erased just off the map. There's nothing that resembles any of it anymore. It was replaced by the airfield. And, you know, so this allows us to get gliders on Sandhawk. You can only get gliders in the airfield and there are always two parked at the end of the airstrip. But there's no gas in them, just like every other map. And so you got to go find that first. You were saying there's always a team that somehow ends up dropping at Mung Nai. Well, there is always a couple teams at Airfield, at least right now, while the gliders are still a novelty. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. The structure around it is wild, because you've got the two gliders that are at the end of the strip. There's basically no loot down there. There's a couple coastal areas that are kind of far off. But then you have these two monstrous warehouses, or it might just be one with a wall in the middle, that are wide open. There's literally just loot in there and a wide open empty space. And then you have a couple like concrete buildings and it's just a slug fest, man. Like if you're in squads, I don't know <laughs> that you come out alive again. It's it's retained that from the original Mongni. Like if you're dropping, there's a squad. Good luck getting everybody out alive because it's wide open. There's stuff everywhere, but there's nowhere to hide. It creates such an interesting risk reward and, and a limiting factor, right? There's only two. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it's a neat addition to the map, I think. Yeah, you only need one scared player from the other team who like found his gas, but his rest of his team got blasted away and they try and take off and they crash it. And now now your team can't even take them. And it's like that whole game plan is kind of like thrown away. What I've found most is there's only one person left. There's always like two teams that contest that that actual airstrip and one guy leaves badly beaten with a gun with half ammo and then some other teams including mine if i decide to go up there will land on the outskirts and then come in and you know if you do that at paradise you're a parasite but you do that at air at the airfield area and you're just a smarter player because that's the only way to really get what you need to actually get going because a lot of people don't plan for what do i do after i have the glider how do i win the game after i have the glider like you have to get ready for the rest of the game at that point before you jump in I think landing outside and heading in kind of late is usually the way to go, especially if you're in duos, because, you know, what one duo is going to win the initial drop and get one of them, and then you got another. Yeah, and you're also playing the gas can roulette, you know. In ranked mode, they start with some gas in them, but in regular, like, you have to find a gas can. So if you land there, win the fight, you still have to hope there's a gas can, and there's just not that many loot spawns there. Yeah, it can definitely be hard. I've I've had a few times when I just couldn't couldn't end up taking them because we went all over, couldn't find one. Anyway, I think the airfield is an amazing um, addition to the game, and and having the ability to just fly over Sandhawk has been has been really fun. I, I enjoy it. It's going to be hard to land that sucker and get it back up at the air if you ever need to, just because there's not that many open fields and stuff like that. It sure has been fun. So moving on from the airfield, we go to what replaces the docks, and I never really enjoyed the docks i always felt like i would go to the docks and i would get into a fight with another team it would take too long and we would burn through all the meds that were spawned there and then you leave with a tattered and broken team and you're always running away i've never like landed docks and had the circle be near me that just seemed to be a personal problem but do you miss docks a ton right now you know what i almost never landed there but it's one of my favorite tdm maps 
So I do miss playing the docks in TDM because it is no longer there now that the new Sandhawk is in play. Fair enough. I, I thought that was kind of a messy, messy TDM spot, but it's certainly better than some of the other ones. I still think TDM deserves its own purpose-built maps to make it really, really effective. And I really want to see something other than TDM come in. I love to see like 5v5, best first of three rounds, one kind of uh, slugfest where you got to actually like you die and you, you have to wait until the next round. I'd love to see some like capture the flag or something. I, I want to see more done with, with the mini game stuff. And some purpose-built stuff. So I don't, I don't miss docs because I don't play that much TDM as it is currently implemented. I understand that it's great for a lot of people to warm up, but to me, it's just a little too chaotic to really, for me to get like actually warmed up. I'd rather just go into the training ground and then just play it solo before I jump in with other people. Yeah, I think for me, I use it purely as a warm-up, and I'll usually play two maps. Sometimes that's three rounds on one and one on another, whatever. But the reason I like docs was because it had the crates, and so people came from all kinds of angles and. I usually turn the sound off and just shoot stuff. And when people can come from all kinds of different spots, for me, it's super helpful just for that, you know, quick twitch kind of action. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you, you just brought up a really good point is that I think there is room for some more small team, small form something, right? Whether it's 5v5, capture the flag, some kind of game mode. I just think that could be so cool to your point. I do think they either need to tweak the areas that are in TDM or build some specifically to it because there's the one that is kind of the long range sniper one, not on Vikendi, but it's on Erangel and it's in the airfield. Every time I get it, I cringe because what people have figured out is there's a spot on the map where one of the planes you can see under. So 90% of the time, you're literally just fighting people that are prone on the other side of this plane, shooting out people's ankles. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about like teaching people how to prone and use it effectively. It's literally incentivizing a skill that you'll never use. Like there's almost never a scenario where you're prone shooting under stuff. It does happen with vehicles from time to time, but more often than not, you're the one further away shooting at the vehicle, trying to like hit somebody who's knocked or or something like that. Rarely are you prone shooting under the car. And if it does happen, oftentimes the tires get shot out. So it's just a really rare scenario. And it, it frankly, it ruins like an entire side of that TDM map. Yesterday, and again, the reason I'm passionate about it is because yesterday I got it two times in a row. And I just, there's a dude with an MK-14 that was just spamming under the stupid plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to warm up. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, and I'm with you too where I don't, you know, I don't keep the sound on at all because I mean that is that is the fast route to uh some tinnitus. But yeah, I just Oof, put on some yeah. put on some music, turn the volume in the game off and and just, you know, focus on on good sprays, quick reactions and stuff. But like I said, it just kind of it just kind of feels snowbally, you know, you're either holding a spot with your team and no one can approach you or or the other team's doing it, you know, and I think I do think Paradise is is pretty fun to to have uh TDM in. But there, there are issues with, you know, the middle being, you know, a dead zone in that map, too. So you end up having just the main building holding and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, some of the maps, as fun as they would seem to be for TDM, like some of the, the map locations and stuff for TDM, they just end up not playing as well as, as a real 4v4 in an area would go or something. So, like, airfield 4v4, first of three rounds or something could be maybe more fun if you spawn in, like, really good hardcover and then you have time to to break out and you switch sides each time or something. So I would love to see a little bit more done other than TDM within the, the arcade mode that PUBG offers. 
or even just lowering the number of people in TDM, you know, because part of it is you can't really move around. You kind of spawn and you're kind of stuck in your area on most of the bigger maps and you're forced to just kind of shoot from there. Whereas it might be kind of fun if it was less people and you could run around and actually try to strategically take stuff. I don't know. I, I agree, though. Small form, I think there's there's opportunity there for sure. So anyway, we, we can talk about, you know, what they can do with the docks location and in terms of TDM anymore. But that is because it's gone. It, it's just, see you later. It has been replaced now by the party zone. I really do think this is an improvement. There just wasn't enough loot a lot of the times, in my opinion, to like really justify that landing. But now there's a lot of neon and a lot of loot. You can land there, get loot really fast from like any of the spots you decide to like, you know, sections in that area you decide to land in and get something good enough to fight. And I just think it's been fun. Like, you can leave with really high-tier loot for the whole team because there's just enough loot density there. And, you know, I recommend that when you get to the strip club, and uh, you know you can call it the Black Cat Club, whatever, it's a strip club, uh, I recommend you just drop your clothes when you get there, you know, just to stick with the theme. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little off point. Trigger, are you liking that spring break vibe? Did you Have you had any fights, like, inside in the, in the black lights? You know, have you danced on the bar yet? What's going on with your opinions on that area? Yeah, I um dropped there a lot right when the map came out. I just wasn't quite used to the new footstep sounds. So I haven't really been back because I was struggling hard when we were dropping there and checking it out. I actually really like the kind of theme there. Some of the buildings on the outskirts, like it, it just seems really cool. Like you can jump from a lot of the roofs in that area. Inside, it's kind of windy. You can kind of get lost in the building there. So, no, I haven't danced yet, but I think it's an area that I'll probably explore more because it seems to be a pretty hot drop spot, and I tend to lean towards those because while I love Paradise, it's been a little quiet recently, as people, I think, are mostly trying to figure out, uh, <laughs> they're trying to figure out Party Zone and they're trying to figure out Boot Camp. So, <laughs> it's yeah, not a ton yet, but I do like the new theme down there, and I'm glad it's getting used. I'm glad people are dropping there because I don't think Doc's had a lot of love. Yeah, it's definitely given it a reason to go to that area of the map, and, and that was a problem with other with other spots, you know, other other areas of other maps as well. This has just been a really good example of taking something that seems underutilized and adding enough of an attraction to it. Um, aside from just like a cool place to fight, like it, it actually is like a fun place to look at. Like it's visually appealing. Like it is it is the spring break spring break section of the town. You know, paradise is you know where us old farts go and have our fights. But then you know the youngins can go down to the you know spring break area. All right, so you know now that we're you know we talked about our spring break. Ruins and cave look a lot different now, and uh, they share a lot of the same visual aesthetic, but I don't think cave really has had like any fundamental changes. It just looks very different when you're in there. At least that's what I saw peeking in. I haven't really bothered to go to cave because I never really bothered to go to cave, but ruins is fundamentally different now. What are your thoughts about how drastically they changed it because i think ruins was a spot that a lot of people really like you know i think back specifically to watching a lot of learn streams she would drop there mm -hmm. all the time like she just loved that chaotic area to fight in and now that will never really happen again it is so fundamentally different what are your what are your thoughts there i love the aesthetic of the new ruins I do miss the layering of the old one. You could land on the roof. There was a middle tier. There was a tunnel under. Like, there was so many options to get in and out of ruins. And while it was chaotic, you had a chance. And in this new version, I think there are similarly a bunch of different ways and routes you can go to get away and fight. 
I think the reason I don't like it right now is because I'm not very good at it and haven't explored it a whole lot, but it feels different because there's no verticality to it. It's all one level, and I think it's more on me than it is the actual area because I think it looks really cool. The problem with ruins is you drop in and yeah, it looks really cool, but it's terrifying because you hear people all around you and you know they're on the same level as you. And that's that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I fully have like learned to appreciate this yet or even really appreciate it kind of at all right now. I think so dropping in and from the air. I love it. Like you said, it just looks so good. I was so excited the first time I dropped in. But once I hit the ground, it kind of like kind of lost that luster. And I, I was I was expecting so much from it. And then it just I felt pretty segmented. I felt like running through it. There was like a lot of little things that were giving me hiccups, almost like I'm running on actual rocks on like the edge of Erangel or something like little things that were giving me hiccups, things I have to like constantly be hopping through like little tiny windows to hop through that aren't like a doorway. They kind of felt like it was like unnecessarily impeding my flow. And like you said, it's all kind of just like, yeah, you can you can isolate 1v1s, but it's all one level. And I really liked that you could be shot from like if you got inside, like, yeah, you might be a little bit safe, but someone could just swing out from the top like layer and just shoot you. You could be fighting on that that main outside layer and not really like the fight, climb up even higher and get another angle. Like those kind of mind games I really enjoyed when I played uh, Old Ruins. So I, I think I do miss the Old Ruins. I think I would have rather that stayed pretty much the same, but been given terrain changes around it so that it wasn't so hard to leave. And I think that is the biggest reason for the change is you could finish that up and then get sniped from any number of areas because leaving there was going through just this open open kind of uh, rice paddy, you know, water-filled area that was very flat and hard to get out of. So I think I understand why they made some of the changes, but I think they changed maybe a little little more than I would have asked for. Yeah, and I guess I'm just trying to think about it from, like, is it fun or not? I think the hot drop or the early drop fun factor has been removed from Ruins. However, Whenever Ruins was there in the mid-game or the late-game and you were forced to rotate through it on the old version, it was brutal for the exact reason you just outlined. There was so much room, so much water, like so much openness that you couldn't get through it. And now, on the new version, the playable terrain, no matter what time it is on the map, oh my gosh, it's great. There's nothing you can run through it. it you're no longer like <laughs> standing out in the middle of a water or a field and people that have cliffs looking down on you you know so it's i think from a playable terrain all throughout the game it's much better i do think that the early game potential to it is much lower like you'll probably have a team or two there but it's not gonna be you know like again i watched a lot of learn as well and they would land there with like 10 teams and it was chaos those days are gone but i do think that they made that part of the map much more playable and fun for the rest of the game so let's get into the, the kind of the flattening of terrain, the general idea of less places where you're kind of doomed or where you would have such an insane advantage if the circle would happen to be there or you caught someone coming out of somewhere. You know, we just talked about how ruins one of those places where a lot of loot, you can come out pretty well kitted, but you leave and there were several places where you would find yourself getting caught by a team that landed a little soft nearby and then came over to punish you. And yep. another one that... that Especially when it came to competition, you know, watching the pros play, you would watch the the mountain above uh, Camp Alpha, and that mountain was brutal. I mean, probably the highest point of the map, and the sheer cliffs, if you were stuck up there, you're stuck, and if you were stuck below, like, you had to try and get around, and, like, 
how many times would you personally die in that situation? But then in that, that competition mode where you have so many more teams vying for such a small area at the end of a game, the, the pros, you watch pros that are amazing just get completely screwed by that area of the map in the circle, keeping them out of playing further. And again, I, I have to come back to, I think they did a tremendous job with this because while the cliffs were really cool, if you had the advantageous position, it was not fun on the other side of it because oftentimes you didn't have anywhere to go. You didn't have a choice. I've lost dozens of games in second place, solos, duos, squads, whatever, because of a random shift in phase 789 where I was on a lower portion or a higher portion and I either had to jump down too far and I would die or I would have had to go up and you can't. And so it was just like, oh, well, I lost the game because of a shift. And so that feeling of the game no longer decides that, like they flattened it enough that you can move up and down the hill. It's dangerous because it's really steep and slow. But again, I think they made that whole area more playable. And if you get there in the later circles, there's actually strategic decisions to make, not just, oh, well, I hope the circle comes our way. Yeah, it's a lot less we're doomed on this side of the the river on this part of the mountain, you know, there's multiple way up to the top of that temple, mountain, whatever you want to call it up there. I mean, from every angle, you can get there from the alpha side, you can get there from the river side. Every single way has some pathways up and the entire way up all the way around seems like there's actually these little playable bowls that you can use, which is I think what you're getting to where like you could have a team in that bowl and, and shoot out and you can take like two teams on at once almost from a lot of the different areas, whereas before it was just big sloping hill up, and that's like it. Yeah, that's actually probably one of the areas I had the coolest like end game of any match I've played on the new Sandhawk was up on that hill, and the end circle was centering around one of those bowls. And so the team that was up on the highest point of the mountain, and then the team that was holding the compound that was kind of on that overlook ledge and again i don't even know where this is yet because i don't i don't know exactly where it is on the map but we were stuck in between them and this was in duos there's six people alive and we have a team above us a team across and i made the horrible call to rotate into this little hut or whatever it was in just an absolute death valley and we got so lucky because we decided to split because I made a bad call and I was playing with J-Mac and he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go this way. <laughs> We're going to split. I'm laughing to myself because I, I was watching and making fun of you while this was all happening while I was working. And it was an amazing end game, dude. I mean, it was great. But I'm sitting there like, why are you going that way? You know, like, like fu furiously <laughs> typing, like, get out of there, dude. You know, just backseating <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. But anyway, like, yeah. And so I realize it because they start shooting and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And Jim, I like, I'm, I need your help. And I'm like, I can't. I see the other team on this hill over here. And so I ended up rotating around the lower team, spotting them and then sort of flanking up, having a little discipline there. And then this dude like jumps randomly and spots me. But I, was, I took them both out. And then J-Mac is underneath the high team. I now have the lower positional advantage, and fortunately, I was able to snipe him down, and J-Mac got one of them, and we ended up getting the chicken dinner. But that area was defined previously by cliffs, by 100-foot drops, and th there just would have been no playable way to end there other than 
you hope that you get the circle, and if you do, you win. And now it's probably the most memorable game that I've had on the new map, because even when we made a bad rotation, we still had options to play in that area. And I guess that's what I would encourage anybody to do, is really look around. There are so many divots and dips and ridges, and they're no longer these massively defined you know, geographical structures. They're much more subtle, but you have a ton of cover, and a lot of it's terrain-based. Or it, It's still terrain-based, but it's no longer these huge like cliff faces. It's much more hilly and ravine-based, and I just think it's fantastic. And I just, again, right now, I don't know the map very well, but I'm learning all of these cool new spots, and I just feel a lot safer moving around the map as long as there's not tall grass. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tall grass. Uh, before we move on from, from that temple area and the cliffs, I do want to say yeah, there's really only one reason I'm going to miss, in my mind, miss the, the cliffs. And it goes back to one specific play. It was when I was watching the most PUBG esports, you know, at any point. And it was brand new, like players had just gotten this forced on them. They were like really not happy that they had to play Sanok, but they were making it work. And I'll just never forget. I'm pretty sure it was Moses casting, but I won't forget the player. It was Taylor J and it's end game. And there's a team below and his team's pretty safe up top, but there's a good chance that they're not going to get that actual last very center of the circle. And so he primes a nade and just jumps off holds on to that nade and then throws it midway. And I mean, he didn't get them all. It wasn't like the game winning, most amazing play ever. But the cojones on that dude to just be like, guys, you guys do what you can with this. I'm sending it. And he just jumps off and goes for the nade play. And, you know, there's countless other people who like jumped off of cliffs at the end of the game and and just hip fired for the win and stuff. But seeing that in a pro game, like players just trying to adapt to this map that really was kind of becoming evident, wasn't playing very well for the pros. That was just an incredible moment. You just reminded me of when the BRDMs first came out. Oh, do you remember mm-hmm. what happened? And now, with I remember. Those? Yeah, now I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember. We were up in that same area. We called BRDM in, and we're kind of navigating the cliff face, and we got to a spot where BRDM couldn't go uphill, still can't very well, and we got to a spot where the only option was to go down. And I jump out, and I'm just committed to now. We're on foot. And Kev's like, I got this. Yeah, I, I got this. I'm going to take it over. Hop in. And I was like, eh, you can do that yourself. And so, I mean, the drop is only like maybe 15 feet in this spot. It wasn't a big But it's still one. a drop. Mm. And <laughs> Kev goes over the cliff and it like just nosedives. And the BRDM explodes. It lands on its back like a lobster or like a, <laughs> like a turtle on the back of its shell. But instead of just kind of sitting there and not being able to do anything, it just straight up exploded. I was out of the game. But it no, it ejected you. I'm pretty sure you survived. Did it? I think you ejected like somehow. That thing like, it exploded on me out. so many times for no good reason <laughs> that maybe I'm just like, you know, mixing things up. But all, all I remember is you were like, oh, I think I'm good. And I was like, I got this, you know, and it was like that standard, you know, like drunk idiot. He's like, I, I can do this. And, and and then they just demonstrate how they can, you know, as soon as you brought it, up, I was like, oh, yeah, that was that was a time when I was an idiot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really good at watching Trigger stream and capturing all of his mistakes for everyone to laugh <laughs> it's at. It's true. It's um, true. You know, at the delight of everyone, you know, including Trigger, he he enjoys it too. But I do tend to show up and just be like, hey, look at this clip I found. You're like, oh, you showed up just for that. Thanks. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) 
to the point where I think we need to have a, a montage of trigger moments soon. But oh man, there's some good ones recently. That's you've you've been uh, you've been on on your game recently, man. Yeah, you've been you've been doing you've been making the last hour or two of work pretty good while I finish up some solo stuff, some writing gig stuff. But um, yeah. So all right, so the cliffs are a lot better now, but there are some other changes. Some you know that are that are like kind of map wide um, that have changed. Um, let's do one bad and one good. So I think the bad is that the foliage seems so much more pronounced. It's kind of like Erangel when it got remastered, where it's just too much. But instead of kind of listening to anybody about it, they're just leaving it in for now. Oh yeah, I'm so torn on it because it really feels good to run around the map, right? It, it's not like it, it feels like a jungle. It feels dense. It feels like there's cover. It's no longer like really flat and open in most areas, except for if you're leaving boot camp. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm not I'm not 100% sold yet on. The grass, the foliage, the color scheme of the ghillie suit and the overabundance of them. All of that is sort of playing together to make me lean towards it. Maybe too dense right now. Maybe too easy to find cover in plain sight. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I'm not sure I'm not sure if it's in the best spot as far as that goes. And and that said though, like it it's it hasn't given me a bunch of problems in the mid game it's once people have gear you know it just feels like if you rotate late on sandhawk which used to be like really really common you just get punished by someone that you never see and it happens a lot and as as a solo player i'm just it's it's kind of a struggle i'm all about doing whatever it takes to win a game but not being able to see your enemy when they're literally prone 10 feet in front of you and they're not wearing a ghillie suit, they're just in their normal clothing is super challenging. I agree. And and so the, you know, the foliage is more pronounced no matter what, but I, I think the combination of foliage and the immense amount of ghillie suits that come out of the loot truck, which we will be getting into um, really shortly here, but I, I think it's the combination. And I think maybe we just save, save that last part of, of the ghillie suit conversation for the loot truck spot but it sure does feel like there's a lot of people just blending into everything and i think my um my like you know slight color blindness i always used to have trouble before before they put colorblind modes into PUBG, spotting people in all that green and so there's so much green and then we have people wearing green and like it just seems like there's too much to to really even identify movement through all that for me sometimes so um, maybe it's a personal problem. Maybe it's a ghillie suit balance problem. Maybe it's the grass. I think it might be a little bit of all three. Um, so that's maybe like another, you know, so we have the, the good of a lot more flattening, a lot more ways to approach um, some of the old problem areas like that old mountain. Um, and the grass might be a problem in itself that is noticeably just a little bit higher, a little more dense. Um, but I think one of the best things they've done is narrow the rivers that connect the three, oh, yes, the three areas. Dude of the map yes i mean there's more bridges all around you can jump across it almost it's so much smaller there are spots where you can jump across it it's amazing man does that open the map up and you know if you're on one side of the river and the circle goes to the other side you're not like oh no i'm so dead Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's it's uh it's a pretty cool feeling to not feel like you lost the game because again because of the shift and that's where i think the brilliance of this map is 
And I, I know you want to save it for later, but I just feel like it's overshadowed by the foliage ghillie suit issue. Mm-hmm. And I know we'll get to that uh, when we talk about loot trucks, but I don't want to take away from how good the map, the, the good that they did is amazing. And the rivers is one of them, like just narrowing them a little bit. And some areas, they're still pretty wide and you can still swim. And it's, it's good. I think that's good to have. But for the vast majority of the map, it's much narrower and you can spend like four or five seconds getting across instead of 20, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, overall, I am a huge fan of, of having less rivers to get in the way. Yeah, so I mean, overall, this this map feels so good. It just feels so good. They've they've made a lot of really smart changes. They got rid of some stuff that we liked. They mostly changed a lot of things we did. You know, maybe have a little bit of an issue with with places that were underutilized. But I think one of the most controversial changes is boot camp. It's now really symmetrical. It doesn't seem to have the same amount of personality. Notably, the lobster building is dead. It's gone. I miss dancing in lobster as much as I did, you know, as much as I missed the dancing lobsters from the Amanda Bynes show. <laughs> for those of you who remember that, you know, a little, little fun fact, I have an alt account for Xbox when I used to play it. It was called Dancing Lobster. Like, I don't know, that, that show came out when I was at the right age for it and just, you know, all those stupid old Nick shows and stuff. And, you know, every time I thought saw a lobster on the map and we were dropping in there, I kind of had that image in my head. Very personal thing here, but I think a lot of people like who really loved boot camp probably aren't super happy with this change. I mean, it seems fair, but like the fights feel maybe less chaotic, but I don't know. That was, that was the draw of dropping the dead center of the map. Yeah, so I'm sort of in a different camp than what I hear from most people. I really like the new boot camp because of the fact there are kind of like sections. It's no longer like you got lobster and then you got a couple three-story buildings and those were your options and then the warehouses in the old version. Now you have tons of area to play in here. And so if you hot drop it, You can control like a little section of the map. And again, I think what it does, it allows you to loot. Even if you hot drop, it allows you to loot typically before you get into a fight. Whereas if you had a bad parachute on the old boot camp, you're dead. By even a second, one second late and you're dead. And that's not fun. It's not fun to know that a half second on a parachute mechanic that didn't always drop you in the right spot or sometimes it glitched out or you hit a tree or whatever that was not a fun situation and so that's where i think again man i just think the map changes they made were really good because yeah there is no like clear hot drop area on the map anymore and i feel like that's really intentional i feel like it's meant to drive engagement towards the mid and end game and there were so many times when I would get to the end game on old Sandhawk and have like 25 people alive in phase four. Dude, you get to or the, phase three even. You'd have like the second circle coming in and you'd be like, wow, there's only 35 folks left, you know? Like- exactly. And on the new Sandhawk, that is not happening. There's a lot more people alive. People are a lot more spread out. It's making rotating more challenging. Again, exaggerated by some of my perceived issues to my gameplay style. I know there's a lot of other gameplay styles out there, but I think this is still cool for people that like boot camp and like to hot drop because I think there will always be early fights there. But for me, I think the coolest thing they did with boot camp was this underground bunker Mm. and then the lore video that they put out 
just adds so much flavor and kind of knowing what was going on there. And I mean, we didn't even talk about that. And that video was probably the coolest PUBG video I've ever seen. It was phenomenal. And just knowing that that's what that whole <laughs> that whole area was, it just adds some really cool flavor to it. And it really is like a fortress. You know what I mean? Like lobster, it didn't really serve any purpose. It was just like, okay, what is this U-shaped building doing here? It, whereas the new boot camp, it is tight quarters. It is fortress-like. There are sniper towers. Like it's really cool. Yeah, I think once I got a little more used to, to how to land and kind of like hold one section before you start to push out and clear. Yeah, it's not too bad. And, you know, I remember the first time I even went down below into that underground system was actually just because my chute wasn't the best and someone had already landed and they were grabbing stuff. So I was just frantically sprinting around and I, I found myself down there. I got some good gear and I came back up. I think I came back up on the wrong side, like not with my team and was like, I'm just going to do my thing. I have no idea where I am yet. So, you know, kind of like came behind a team and, and had to like battle my way back to the team. It is an interesting area. I just, you know, it's just hard to move on from the the, the things you did like about certain maps. And, and I think boot camp was very unique and had a portion of the player base that just loved going there. So I think you're right. I, and that's fair. I think I don't know that a true hot drop location exists on the new version. And I think it's intentional. I think it's smart. But for the players that did like that, I, I do think they're hurting for that experience that really boot camp was known for. Yeah, I just think if the same level of changes happened to Paradise, we wouldn't be moving on from this as quickly as we're about to. Well, I kind of did, though, on Vikendi, man. I literally dropped Mount Kresnik. Every time. If it was within a normal plane path every single time. If it wasn't, I went to Castle. And I did move on from it, but it was bad, man. Like, Mount Kresnik was such a cool hot drop to me. And... One of the best. It's just gone. It's completely changed versus boot camp. I think it still retains a lot of the like central location, kind of bunkery, kind of like if you win it, you are center on the map and you can probably hang out there. Like it retains a lot of that. It's just not going to be 30 people dropping there every single time. <laughs> or if they do, they're going to be spread out and the fights are going to be drawn out a little more. Whereas a lot of the fighting in boot camp would be done within the first couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And now I think even if a bunch of teams land there, you're going to end up with teams that are spread out all throughout boot camp. And those fights may last, you know, two or three times as long because of that. It does feel like people just keep on coming when you land there. Like getting out of boot camp is, it feels even harder than it was before. I think no matter what, it was always kind of a hard place to leave from because there wasn't a ton of tree cover and stuff to get you out of there. I don't, I don't know if it's, Better or worse, I, I feel like it might be a little bit rougher to leave. And I think people are not as afraid to push in to boot camp late, later into a game either. So yeah. do you do you feel the same way? Do you feel like it, it, it's a spot where you might end up stuck in boot camp for a very long time? I think if you drop there initially, you could end up stuck there. And it's a bunch of factors. It's There's probably another team or multiple teams there. Loot trucks drive by there all the time because it's in the center of the map. So you got people chasing those there. It's, again, it's with the flattening of the map, it's a really good rotational spot. And I think in the mid game, it's a common place to go check where if you're under looted, you can basically guarantee that you can go to boot camp and find some gear. You know, so again, I just think it's intentional, but it does change and affect a certain play style. And if your play style was hot dropping at boot camp, your game's going to feel so much different. 
and I feel for that. It just wasn't the way I played the map. But the people that were playing that way, I get it, man. It's a totally different game now. Because, yes, it's hard to get out. For crying out loud, it's like a mile of flatland on one side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, it can't really go that way. Yeah, yeah. you got you to rotate out of there for sure. Which, But it fits the theme, which is cool, right? You know why it was that way, right? That was the bunker. That was the guy in the basement controlling the blue zone with a team protecting him. So if somebody wanted to come in there and go after them, they had to cross like a mile of open field. <laughs> It's cool thematically. Imagine if we got our first scab boss there. Sorry, we're bringing Tarkov in, but imagine. <laughs> just imagine if we got our first scab boss at boot camp. They only showed up halfway through the game or something. The Hambino bot is, is yeah, sitting yeah. in the middle of boot camp. God, dude, I don't need... <laughs> Hambino already has some main bot going on. We don't, we don't need an actual Hambino bot. Come on. Dude, I would love an event or something where... They modeled bots after popular players. You know, like you had the Chaco bot, the Ham bot, the Ibiza bot, the Wacky Jackie bot. Like anybody, like it would be because you, I mean, I'm guessing they have like the statistics on accuracy, guns used, all that kind of stuff. It would be so cool that if you went to like certain spots that are, you know, known for those streamers or YouTubers or whatever, that. <laughs> You may run into some just like juiced out bot that's going to murder you. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have that whole thing like cast by Moses, just calling you nerds every time you die. You know, <laughs> nerd, you know, just you die to the Choco bot. And it's like, ha, nerd, you know, that could be pretty right, fun. You can name them that way too. The ham bot, Choco bot, Ibot. <laughs> Ibiza bot, Ibiza. Ibiza bot. See, fits. All right, so we have we do want to talk about the loot truck to wrap things up, but we have one last location, and we saved the best for last, in my opinion, and that yeah. is the quarry. The quarry has gone under significant renovations. Talk, talk us through a little bit about what has changed. This is probably the coolest section of the map that, I first of all, I thought it was going to become a hot drop because of how cool it is. But I think it's going to take some time for that to develop. But I do think it's going to get more action. But it retains the same shape, location, and concept of being like a dugout quarry, right? Rock quarry. What they did, though, is instead of having these like little mounds with boxes and stuff on them, it's now like a tiered, like a three-tiered effect. So it's almost like a giant three-story building. Dug into the ground. Or set of buildings. Just dug into the ground, but with, with rope ladders that go in between them in certain spots. So it's no longer you get caught in the bowl and you're just a sitting duck. You can now be on the ground, the second level or the third level, and move in between those with bridges and whatnot. So it creates so many like strategic options, which again is why I think people aren't there because communications in that area haven't developed yet, I don't think. And as ranked goes on, and as who knows if we'll see this in the pro circuit or not, but as ranked moves forward, like there'll probably be call outs that get learned. And right now, I don't think those exist because there's so much going on there, but there's tons of cover. You can drop between the levels without taking any damage or much damage. And it just opens up so many options to play in this area that, man, again, I, I, I didn't even realize this before we started talking tonight, but I'm just going to keep saying playable area. Mm-hmm. Quarry 
late game used to be like, oh my gosh, I have to run through quarry. I'm so dead. And it's not that way anymore. You can run through it and here we go. Well, you can run through it. You can you can stay up on that top level and not lose the ability to fight back from a, from an even kind of playing field by, by right, sticking to the, boxes, by sticking to the bridges. No, I mean, you can just go bridge yeah. to bridge and get across. I think it's a great but spot. But there's cover up there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just overall, like way, way more playable, way there's, – there's more loot by just – the, the way they've adjusted things so you you can land there and, and get like pretty well kitted out especially for like a duo right um it's, uh, it's just been a lot of fun to go there and see what's going on and it's not a bad place to, you know even if you don't want to land exactly there it's not a bad place to go there now and this kind of brings us to our our last discussion point of the night the loot truck the loot truck is constantly passing by the quarry and through the quarry yeah on those roads yep. um so let's get into the loot truck and specifically, like, the abundance of loot trucks. Like, what are these things with the cow, the cow tipper things from, uh, from like, trains and, like, this just giant black box of death and loot, you know, that's just kind of, like, rolling through town? Like, wh- what is up with these things and why are there so many? Yeah, man, I love the concept, right? It's, you know, so if, if you're, if you haven't jumped back in, basically the concept is there's up to eight of these roaming the streets and they're literally these just like armored up <laughs> cow tippers a great way to describe it but these massive black vehicles that they just continuously drive they take a tremendous amount of ammo to blow up you can light them on fire you can put spike strips down to slow them for a little while um, but basically when you blow them up and in the process of blowing up they will shoot crates out the back they'll come flying off and then if you manage to destroy it, there's tons of loot inside of it. Typically ghillie suits, uh, level three armor and helmets, ammo, and then some unique fully kitted guns that belong to the lore for the team that kind of wrecked boot camp or wrecked this whole scenario that's going on. And I highly recommend you watch that lore video. But that's what the loot trucks are. So they're bullet sponges. But they offer tremendous loot if you are able to destroy them. And there's a bunch of them. So there's up to eight on a map. Yeah, and I mean, actually, like, just just tonight, our uh, our buddy Joe Cool got featured by the, the PUBG Twitter, or the PUBG US Twitter, I'm not sure sure which, but he got featured for his, his method of making sure that his team could take down the loot truck on their own, because sometimes there is an issue where you and your team just fire out, you know, two clips each. Two mags, oh my god, someone's going to kill me for that one. Two mags each <laughs> into, you know, a full team of four, just just nailing this thing with 80 bullets each, and it doesn't blow up. And then it runs away, and it goes to the team down the road, and they just they just fire a few more, and it just blows up. And now they have the tier three gear, and you're just left feeling like an idiot. So what Joe did was he actually got two spike strips and put them in various parts of the road. And the spike strips actually just stopped the thing for like a good five seconds. And so he was able to to pump a lot of bullets in there. And then it went down the next. He's like, hey, Gab, Gab, it's down the road. You know, it's going to stop again. And it stopped again. And they were going to blow it up. So, you know, he got featured. Um, shout out to Joe. He is a new PUBG partner along with some of our other friends like uh, Viking Princess. And uh, I don't want to leave out anyone else. Noob Salad. Mike, take it away on naming friends who got partner but we got a lot of friends who got partner um and you know it's just happy to see that so uh he got featured in there for his smart way of dealing with these loot trucks yeah that's awesome and i'm just going to come back to i think my overall thoughts on new sandhawk 
And I'll wrap it up with my, I guess my hope, concern, whatever you want to call it, related to loot trucks. But what it boils down to me is that the new terrain, the map itself, just great. You know, explore the new areas. There's so much stuff to explore. But for me, it's the the combination of the loot trucks dropping ghillie suits. I actually think that's where my my issue is. I actually think this is the issue. The end game in Sandhawk right now, at least in the casual modes, is, and casual is not the right term, but non-ranked. Almost every end circle is defined by the last three to ten people having level three gear in a ghillie suit. And I'm not sure that that's fun. It's it's definitely not fun. I, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll define that for you. It is not fun when every single person has it. And combined with this foliage, I remember I lost a game where I had seven, eight kills and, you know, whoever I was with had another handful at least. We were, we were probably, you know, leading that lobby. And, I mean, we were running through the top 20 and we had to fight one last team. And I died because someone pointed out there was a guy on a rock, but there's a bush next to that rock. And he was with a ghillie hiding there. I didn't see him until the very last shot came through. And he's peeking out the whole time. And just way too many cases of that. And, you know, people can prone with these things. They can hide in those bushes and they're completely unseen. And they're just so easy to get, you know? Yeah. And and that's kind of where it comes from those like, I do think being stealthy and finding unique ways to hide in a game where the walls literally push you closer and closer together, I think that is fun. But I don't think it's unique, and that's what's ruining it for me right now, is that, you know, if you're approaching the end game and you don't have a ghillie suit, you're feeling like you're at a disadvantage right now. Because you are. Because most of the other players will have them. Because typically those loot trucks have one, if not two ghillies, and the crates that they spit out the back have, you know, potentially three or four of them. And then you have ghillies dropping in the air crates. So it's like, it's just too much. And I think the ghillie suits used to be this like, man, you got a ghillie, that's awesome. And you may see one other guy with a ghillie in the entire game. Or on Vikendi, you may see one snow ghillie, potentially two. They're just much more rare. And having the end game be defined by that right now, I don't want to feel like I have to go to a loot truck or an airdrop because if I don't have a ghillie suit, I'm at a disadvantage. That's never been the case in any other map where the ghillie suit was that big of an advantage. But right now with the color scheme, with the way that the grass is and a lot of it, it's so powerful that I think it's sort of cheapening the end game of Sandhawk. And I don't think that's the intended effect. I think maybe the goal there was to, you know, let people experiment with this and, and hide in plain sight and that kind of thing, which is kind of fun when you're the one doing it. But as you play more and more, even if you like a stealthier playstyle, getting killed by someone who is completely invisible to you and you really never had a chance is just hard to get behind for me. And again, I know that my playstyle is much more mobile. And there's a lot of people that play a much more stealth game. But even those players, if they get a bad shift or they have to rotate, running over someone who's completely invisible uh, because of the grass, like, and I say completely, but it's, I mean, there's virtually invisible, yeah. You're virtually invisible. And I don't think that long term that's going to be fun or a good change. So, really, for me, what it boils down to is I think if they remove the ghillie suit, 
from the loot truck crates that spit out and the loot truck itself and left them in airdrops. I think that would add a really good risk reward to airdrops that doesn't really exist right now with loot trucks in the map. And I think that may really um, make you feel good about having a ghillie suit if you do get one, uh, but not that you're going to run into you know a whole team of ghillie suits with 20 alive. You know, it kind of reminds me of original Vikendi with the loot cave. And it literally became like, if you're not going to the loot cave, you're playing the map wrong. And it just yeah. it just made it like, you have to do this in order to win. And that's not cool because now, you know, all right, I really want to go to the new, you know, spring break area down at the southeast of the map. But we also got to make sure we find ourselves a loot truck or it's not worth. We're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. And this isn't going to be a problem for ranked at all. I did want to talk about that, too, that I, I haven't played the new Sandhawk on ranked yet. And I'm wondering if it plays amazing because of the lack of ghillie suits. The only time I've seen people really bringing up Sandhawk is that they just don't want that Orvikendi in ranked because they just like Miramar and, and Erangal for their rank. Or they just feel like they've unfairly gotten Sandhawk like over and over and over. So I haven't seen yeah. much from you know our, our circle of friends or, or people that we follow saying that it's necessarily bad for ranked uh i'd really have to ask someone who's been scrimming it and been playing ranked a ton and have them come on and talk more about how sandhawk feels from a ranked perspective and how vikendi plays because that's also vikendi's been added to the rank pool as well so i'm interested to see how those those are uh playing out how people are perceiving them who are playing ranked a lot more seriously than i ever will like i i liked ranked i love the idea of ranked in terms of no bots and playing quiet drops get your loot and then get ready for positioning game and and play the end game of 30 people in a, in a phase six that that is why i like ranked but the whole grinding it or caring about where i place for ranked points like not as much for me you know i'm not gonna like be super upset that i derank from gold into silver again or something like that's not my drive for it. So I wouldn't be the one who should be talking about how those changes feel i'm not someone who's trying to compete in a pcs I'd love to let that play out maybe another week or two and then bring someone on who's been like absolutely grinding ranked or someone who's even in the pro scene. That'd be really cool. But I think from a public game kind of perspective, the ghillie suits are just so dominant because of the loot truck. And it does feel pretty crappy to have to, you know, you never want to like have an excuse for a loss uh, or you shouldn't want to have an excuse like, oh, he was using this or he, he had this. But it's certainly easy to throw out. Oh, he just had a ghillie and I couldn't see him like. Sorry, GG, you know? Uh, so I'm not a fan of the abundance of ghillie suits, but otherwise, this map is really fun. I think maybe consider the density of the grass and, and then just limit the ghillie suits, and, and then we have a pretty damn good map. I agree, and I think as we get more used to the changes, we may even think that the foliage is fine or the grass is fine. It, it, I'm, I'm open to the thought that it may be, <laughs> may be my inexperience on the map just a couple weeks in, it, it sure does feel like there's some strategies that are starting to develop already around ghillie suits. And like, I don't even mind the level three gear being overabundant from the loot trucks because you have to make a lot of noise to destroy those things. So, you know, people know where you are. They know where the level three gear is coming from. I don't know that destroying those should give you the insane advantage of the ghillie suit camo and level three gear and potentially fully kitted out guns. I think it might just be a little too strong right now. Yeah, I don't want to call for a nerf to the foliage right away uh, before seeing what the map would play like with a lot less ghillie suits. Uh, I think that's like the first thing we test is just let's take the ghillie suits out and see how people are feeling. If 
people were like, okay, that you know, that's really all needed. Then we're fine. No, no need to change. Yeah. I don't want them to have to go back on a design choice, but I do think that the ghillie suits are too much right now. Other than that, I mean, this map has been a lot of fun. I've been, I've been enjoying it. So the last thing, very last thing that we're going to bring up on this episode, try and get into ranked maybe with a more serious discussion with perhaps a more serious player in a future episode. But there's one change that happened, and that is that now you can have gas cans and take them and just spray that fuel all over the ground and then shoot it to light it on fire. Um, aside from lighting your friends on fire and having your friends light you on fire trigger, I mean, what do you think of the... The gas can change as a final. That's thing. all it's good for, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, I like think if, I've only used it to troll. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've... if a teammate is like not paying attention and you're circling around them and lighting, <laughs> lighting the gas circle, it's amazing. But I, I guess I haven't been in a scenario yet where you know throwing the gas can and shooting it or setting a trap for someone. I, I just haven't done it yet, but I'm excited to keep playing with it and get in those scenarios. I think adding the additional utility on it is amazing. And if, if I remember right, I think, uh, wasn't it Griff on this show that talked about throwing the gas can and shooting it? I mean, like a year ago? That was him. I mean, we, we should probably give him all the credit for it. I think that was his, yeah. his idea and no one else ever thought of it. That's That's fact. Because we said so. So I think it's really cool. I I'm I haven't used it to its full potential yet, but I love that there's an option now. It's one of those novelty things. You're like, I wonder if this is gonna break the game. And you realize it doesn't. It doesn't do all too much, but occasionally, occasionally, pop its you know uh, rear its head, and, and and it's usually pretty funny. Even if it were to happen to me, yeah. where I walk into a room and and someone just you know lights that thing on fire from like a corner, like that guy was gonna be corner camping me anyway, most likely. But at least he did it in style. You know, I can respect yeah. it. So yeah, you can just hold it in your hand and press your normal fire button and you'll dump it out. But you can also aim it and throw it uh, now. And when it hits the ground because of throwing it, it'll actually like kind of drop a little bit of fuel so you can just shoot the ground or shoot the thing and it'll it'll instantly ignite and explode um, instead of having to place it, shoot it a bunch of times. I mean, you can do the old school method of placing it and shooting it, but you can just throw it, and then someone can come and you can just shoot it once, and it, sh- it should blow up. But I mean, that, that's really it. I mean, it's it's like a novelty thing. I don't think it's going to decide too many games unless someone is very confident that they can decide the game that way. You know, like a good old 2v1, and you're like, I'm going to risk it, and then you close it out if I die. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, I think this is the right way to go about redoing a map. I mean, I think it really, I think it addresses some of the problems that we especially saw in competition with the Northwest Island and the, that temple with the cliffs of doom the giant you know rivers you had to cross are are now much narrower places that weren't visited got good changes and i'm just super happy with almost all the changes i've seen i'm in the same boat man i think a lot of it at least personally my feelings towards questions are inexperience i do think i'm concerned about the ghillie suits but that is such a minor deal that I think overall, man, I'm super pumped about this map. I think they did a great job. I'm excited to see high-tier ranked players, the pros, and everybody just gets more experience on it. I don't know, man. I just I hope it sits well because it does seem like uh, the map is much more playable now, and that's my theme throughout this episode that I didn't plan on, but I'm sticking to it. Nothing bad there for me to say. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We obviously didn't get into everything that this new patch brought. A uh, big thing is going to be the rank discussion at some point. 
But, I mean, that wraps it up. I mean, a lot of new location changes came. Some new fun things like the loot truck and gas can changes that were implemented. Nothing crazy to the weapon systems. So that meta still remains the same, whether you love the barrel meta or you hate it. Maybe you miss the old M4. I know I do. But tell us what you think of all of the new things that were changed to, you know, Sandhawk in particular. Are you liking the new season? What do you think of the new passes? Are they taking better approaches to that? We could have gotten into that more, but... Tell us what you're thinking right now. Let us know. We'd love to catch up with you guys. Until then, just thank you all for sticking with us. I hope you're enjoying the game and enjoying this start of Season 3. We're going to have a lot more content coming to you for the rest of this PUBG season. And uh, I look forward to, to chatting with you again, Mike. Yeah, man. Sounds good. This is great. And if you're looking to catch up with us uh, during the week, you can always catch us on Discord. We're in there most of the time. You can catch us on Twitter, at MTB Trigger. Kev is at the one heart underscore, and I stream a few days a week on Twitch, mostly duos in PUBG early in the afternoon. Do play a little Tarkov as well, but recently it's been basically all PUBG because I've been digging it. So come on by. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got, man. Yeah, you'll also find me in Trigger Stream just ruthlessly trolling him, uh, whether he's tearing up uh, Factory in Tarkov or having some fun with his duos in PUBG. But yeah, come come by and say hi, you know, any of the ways. And just again, thank you to our Patreons. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to Spiffy Man for allowing us to use his music. We love it. It gets us hype every time we hear it, and I'm sure it does for many, many others. And uh, I look forward just to talking more PUBG. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Winner, winner, out. Out.